afternoon. Welcome to the Ashlandite Internet Radio Broadcast. I'm your host, Master Thompson. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, I had to do a show on a movie I saw recently called The Purge. I thought that the idea behind it was so intriguing that it deserved to be explored because we have done so many shows over the years about the state of affairs, not just in society and in government and in the world, but just overall philosophy and ideology as it um, is being sort of uh, established going forward. Um, things are changing. Ideas are changing. Uh, things that are that were accepted that weren't accepted in the past are now uh, endorsed and uh, encouraged. People are finding new limitations, pushing boundaries, and discovering new frontiers that aren't exactly positive and constructive for themselves, which is entirely up to them. But they're contributing these these they're contributing derivatives of these to society and it's affecting everyone else. And that's just a nice way of putting it out there that society in our country and the way I see it is in trouble. It's in trouble. And uh, I see this movie called The Purge and basically in the tw in, in the year 2020 <clears throat> in the year 2022 the United States of America celebrates uh, a once a year uh a night called the purge. It's a 12-hour period when every crime is allowed, including murder. Now, the result of this is uh, supposed to be economic growth beyond beyond uh, uh, record setting, beyond anything ever known. Um, and I guess crime in prisons, like you know, prisons are sort of they're they're not as populated as they are today. Crime virtually doesn't happen anymore. Um, but uh, the problem is it's taking it's it's got some it's got some cons to it. Okay? So in the, I don't want to spoil the movie too much. There will be some spoilers here, so if you haven't seen the movie I do apologize. But um, it's a very interesting concept because at some point the country had to, it sounds like it junked the Constitution. There are new founding fathers, and they're, 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 they're addressed as the new founding fathers. There are new founding fathers who seem to have rewritten um, the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. So, cause, because clearly... Um, you know, this program infringes on people's civil liberties. So something had to have been suspended, to say the least, in the Bill of Rights. So it's very interesting to see that there's a family where the family is hunkering down. It's, it's, it's the eve of the purge, and the family, this particular family, is getting ready to um, wait out the next 12 hours. Now, they have a security system, a state-of-the-art security system, and they live in a gated community where all the other homes in this gated community have, the simil have a similar state-of-the-art uh, security system. And I'm talking this security system is something I would love for my home, all right? I mean, I'm talking steel shutters, window shutters, iron doors, gates, the whole nine yards, surveillance system, 
Uh, I think there's some lasers in there, some some laser trip wire. I mean, it, it's 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 pretty state of the art. Um, so they're getting ready to hunker down for the and wait out this 12-hour period, and you start to you're watching the dynamic between the family members. There's a young boy, a younger a, a younger boy, a young daughter, um, a husband and a wife, and um, uh, the wife is played by the queen in Game of Thrones. The, uh, the mother of Joffrey, and Ethan Hawke is playing the father, both really good in this movie. And the, the children are asking some, some, some interesting questions. All right? they, they, they fail to see the logic in this. And the reason why they fail to see the logic in this evening is because their compassion, you see the compassion of a child, unshaped, unmolded by the experiences of life, untouched by the hard hearts of, of parents and mentors imparting their wisdom, their, their slanted wisdom and their prejudiced views. You start to see these children, you, you start to see where these, how these children see this night and it's how we would see this night, most of us would see this night here and now. I mean, the, the thought of something, the thought of something like that I would say is preposterous which is why we're having this show, but I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Is it worth? We have several questions here. For economic stability and growth, in other words, the guarantee of employment, the monies to feed yourself, clothe yourself, enjoy uh, a good time here and there, uh, to take care of another person or persons, to walk down the street, relatively free of, of the fear of crime upon you or your family. To live in that world, is it worth bottling up everyone's aggressive and evil so it can be unleashed for one night for 12 hours unconditionally? Is it worth it? Or does such a thing not only take away what little compassion, what little soul we have as, a, as, as humanity, but does it establish a new paradigm, a new shift, in, not just in, 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 in human thinking, but how we, um, how we are as soulful, a soulful species, an empathetic and compassionate species. So let's talk about this. Let's talk about the idea of the purge. Could such a thing be something you would endorse? And if you would endorse it, would you be a hunter or would you be somebody that hunkers down for the night? I don't know if we're being joined. I don't know if our show is joined by anybody as of yet. I don't know if it's just you and I, Charles, is it? It's just you and me for right now. We've got so Jared just, listening, but uh, I don't think he's going to be able to call in because he's doing some work. Okay, so let's just, you and I can get into this. It'll be fun. So um, let me ask you a question. I know you haven't seen the movie, and I know you don't know too much about it, but the summary I gave you is basically it in a nutshell. So the idea of the purge, Charles, what do you think? Here and now, not in the future, but here and now. Well, you know, I went over to the Ashla site to read up on it a little bit because I hadn't watched the movie, and the first thought that hit me was that I had already seen this but they called this movie uh, the the Dark Knight Rises, um, 
that it's almost what was done there with the the effective freedom of action that was done when the criminals were released. Anyone could do whatever they want. And the thing is that it didn't work out in the citizenry's favor. This is this is the problem we're, we're we I would say we've got to look at the question of is it possible to work? I think realistically, the reason people say the jails are overcrowded, but I don't think we have more than 5% of the population in the jails. Yep. And that may sound like a big number. And it is a big number. Especially when when you look at how big the percentage is, you know, the the initial number you're taking that 5% from. But when you think about it, that means that most people are not violently aggressive. I hate to tell you, most people are incapable of defending themselves. You know, I work at a grocery store, and I'll tell you this, we've seen violence happen once or twice, and it's always one of two ways. Either A, both people are violent, and these are usually people who are not well-to-do, they're not very comfortable in their lives, they, it, it's obvious just by looking at them that they haven't had anything close to an easy life, and I would define, compared to them, my life as an easy life, and my life has not been a bed of roses. And the other one is where you have violence against, where you have violence where one person is from a more sheltered life. And I would say most people live in a sheltered life. They just don't realize it. The other person probably has never thrown a punch before. And as I was saying, what I notice, when you have both people are from violent backgrounds, they get violent. They have a fairly even chance of harming each other, and therefore they present a threat to each other. It's not just a beatdown. The other one, almost invariably, is what we classify as a beatdown. And I, I look at this in giving a, a free day, right? Just It's a free day. You know, go out one night out of the year, or one night out of the month and do what you will. Take law into your own hands. I don't think it would self-regulate the way you'd like to think it would. I think what you would have is a war. You would have a war zone in your cities. And that war zone would be fought by the most violent because now they can be violent without repercussion. Whereas your most docile, which is the vast majority of the population, would be either raped, pillaged, or plundered. Or all three. Uh, and for those that weren't, they would be hunkered down or bunkered down, as you said. But I don't think even most people would be able to do that, because the resources that it takes to live right now do not give you the option to be defended through defense. They give you the option to be defended through offense. And I'll, I'll, I'll hit on that real quick. Uh, I was talking to Justin about gun control and things like this a couple days ago on the phone. We were talking numbers, what it takes to kill someone, the cost. And we came down to the fact that for about $20, I can make a spear and kill anybody I want to at a distance of about 5 to 10 feet, which is pretty good range, you know, for killing power versus a butcher knife, what have you. So, you know, weaponry is not as expensive as you'd think. And he gave me some prices on guns and what you could expect to afford. So I'm going off what he said. And between 150 low end at, a, at pawn shops, 100 and $200, you can afford a good shotgun. $250, $300, you can afford a really good shotgun. And if you're spending $500, you can afford a great shotgun and maybe even a belt, maybe even some kind of, uh, not belt-fed, but clip-fed shotgun at that point. You know, and I use shotguns because 
shotguns are really, really easy to use. Okay, I'm a moron. I am. Let me, let me explain this. When it comes to guns, I'm a moron. When it comes to bows and arrows, I'm dangerous. When it comes to guns, I'm a moron. And I'll tell you that no matter how good I am with a bow, I'm better with a shotgun at 30 feet. At 30 feet, I'm, I'm the best. I'm, I'm a great marksman because I won't miss. And, and that's that. I'm a moron with guns. But my point on this was that for... We'll say, we'll say for $200, you are now offensively defended. That means if you've got the guts to pull the trigger, you can defend yourself. You can stay alive, at least till you run out of bullets. Now, let's look at defensive defense, okay? That's, that is something that does not directly injure or assail the person coming at you, the person breaking into your home. What do you think it would cost to reinforce the doors on your home, okay? You, you live in a better place than I do, I'm, I'm certain, Master Thompson, you know, you've uh, you know, you, you have a, uh, a more affluent lifestyle than I do, so your doors are probably better conditioned than mine. Uh, the frame around your doors, is it solid titanium? Are you asking me? No, they're not solid yep, titanium. No, I'm asking. Um, steel of some kind? Reinforced steels? No, no they're not. <laughs> what, what would it take to put a good reinforcing steel on your door frame? Rough you'd guess, you know. You would probably have to demo the apartment to do it because, you know, the frame, the houses are wood frames. I mean, you could put steel, you, if you put, <laughs> that's kind of stupid. If you put a steel frame, a steel frame door and then a, ste and, and a metal door and or steel frame door, they'll just go through the wall. It just, it, it All right, just makes yeah. So we would, so in order to make the door itself safer, this is you just, make the, we're, just the, we're just, we're just, Right, we're just going to defend the door. We're not going to talk about someone who's crazy enough and smart enough to go through your wall. Okay, all right. We're just, so going, with, we're just of... going with the guy who's... Yeah, so we're going to yeah. cement the outer frame, build a cement blocking outer frame, right? That That's what, two, $300 there? Uh, maybe four. And then once we get done with the door, uh, yeah. another five, $600 for the door, and then the plating and the reinforcing. So about $1,000... I think it'd be a little bit more, but I, I, you're using round numbers, and that's fine. So yeah, okay. All right, we'll, we'll go. We'll go with a thousand five hundred then. Thousand five hundred dollars. We've made your door safe, and your windows will run you, say, another with windows. Wow, to make that well, safe. I, I'm gonna say we have I'm to get say, rid of your windows. We got to get rid of your windows. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> you need shatterproof, bulletproof glass. You need. We're just gonna get need, rid of them. We'll take the cheap way. And we're, that'll only be another $500, you know, per window. We'll say five windows where you live as just a round guess. You know, we're, we're only sitting around three, dollars $4,000 now. And like you said, someone can still come through the wall. We've not made you totally defended. We've just taken away the immediate access. Now, let's say you wanted to build a bunker, a good, solid, no one's getting through it bunker right where you live. Yeah. Twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars. I don't know about. I don't know. Like I said, you're more affluent than I am, but I don't think you have that kind of cash just laying around right now. Oh. And if you don't, and you're you're like I said, you're one step up above where I'm at, and I'm at where the most of the population is at. And you know, if you don't got money to do that, I can tell you I don't. But I'll tell you what. I'll bet you 20 minutes in a hardware store, we can come up with something that isn't even a gun that you can kill someone with. Right. And we, we, can, we can do this for anywhere from, we can, we can scale it to what you want to spend. Anywhere from $20 all the way up, we'll, all the way up, we'll get pricey up to 100 
and you'll have all the killing power you'll need. Uh, and it's not a professionally made sword or anything like that. It's just, you know, freaking pointy stick. Okay? More, more than enough firepower to do the job. And this is my point. For this system to work, you have to assume that the good guys are going to have more power than the bad guys when, when the crap hits the fan. When, when all the emergency services go out, when, when the lights come out, when we get the call, everyone stop taking calls. We're not taking calls. The police are down for the day. Okay? When that happens, when that happens, you've got to believe then for this to work that the good guys have more firepower than the bad guys and the ability and will to use it. Now, you've gotten into some toughs and tussles, and I've gotten into one or two. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm one of our resident badasses on the show, and I don't think I have it in me to kill someone. If I have to... I want to believe, and I condition myself to believe, and I push myself to believe so that I'll overcome that natural resilience against killing. But I can't tell you with 100% certainty that I could kill a man even if I had something that was theoretically, psychologically easier to use, like a firearm or a bow, so that I have the advantage of distance and removing my mental connectedness to the act. I don't think I have it then to kill someone... For certain, don't get me wrong, uh, I condition myself to overcome that. And I want to believe that that condition to overcome that would would succeed. But I'm man enough to admit that I can't tell you for sure, because I've never had to do it. Yeah. And with that in mind, I can tell you, if I'm one of the good guys that can tell you that I'm not sure I could, how do you think that makes everyone else sit who don't have the combat experience that don't spar, they don't get thrown around and hit people in the nose for fun all day. Where do you think they're sitting at? I, I tell you where I think they're sitting at. I think that if we could get them one right now, we would get a really big to do about how brave and bold they are and how they no one messes with them and there no one would ever do anything to cause them harm because they would just kill them outright. And that in reality, we'd find them under their kitchen table with the chihuahua, okay? And it would be barking, and they'd be trying to trying to shut it up. Okay, that's that's my thoughts on why it can't work. I just don't see, I don't see the good guys having the firepower to outnumber the bad guys. That's why we give the good guys a set of laws that protect them more than we give the common citizen. It's why we give them a firearm and extra training. It's why we pay good guys to do this. And it's why we put the fear of God in the bad guys that when the good guys show up, we're gonna, you're going to wish you were dead. When we're done hauling you through court, taking everything you own, and then putting you in a little box for the rest of your life, you're going to wish you were dead. That's why we have a society set up like that right now. That's why it is as it is. And I don't think just giving the common man the freedom to do it would be all that helpful. I think giving man a little more freedom in day-to-day -day would be nice. I think that would cut down on the crime a bit. But giving us that much freedom, but without that much of a safety net? Mm -mm. No okay. way in hell. Okay, so let me... All right, so a couple things I want to address when, uh, that you said before I get into why I think this is a shitty idea. Um, you talked about the security system. You talked about reinforcing the doors and the windows and, and, this, and this sort of thing. Um... We, you, you pointed out an obvious issue with this is, okay, you can reinforce whatever you want, door, any, any kind of domus, any kind of, uh, entry point, 
you want, but the house, the frame of the house is still uh, uh, wooden mortar. It's still going to be, or wooden plaster rather. You are, the, you know, you may not be able to get through the door. They're going to come through the wall. Now, what's interesting about this observation is in the movie, okay, in the movie, um, the purge, any kind of weaponry is allowed up to what's called class four. I don't know what that is. I don't know. There's very, you know, this movie sort of starts in the middle of 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 whatever, uh, uh, you know, philosophical, ideological um, changes that have taken place, and it's it's presenting um, uh, subject matter that uh, it really doesn't go too deep into, but you kind of get the idea. So I don't know what's past a class four. I don't know what's up to that. You see assailants in the movie using handguns, shotguns, and automatic weapons. So I'm going to assume that anything past uh, that would be something approaching class four. Okay. Also, government employees past level 10 must remain unharmed. They don't need a security system. Their homes and their disposition cannot be touched. Very interesting, isn't it? So when we talk about security systems, even in the movie, Ethan Hawke's character tells his wife when it looks like they're about to be there's about to be their home is about to be sieged, he says she asks him, is the security system going to hold? And while it's an impressive security system, he says to her, it's not designed, it was never designed to keep people out indefinitely in any, any uh, various ways they could try to get in. Okay? So he says it's not, it's not, um, it's more of a deterrent. And just like reinforcing your doors and your windows would be more of a deterrent, it wouldn't keep people out. Charles, you also said something about a bunker. This is why people build bunkers, because their home is, is brick and wood, is cement and wood, cement and plaster and everything else, glass. So you're not going to reinforce, unless you're dealing with zombies, okay, you're not reinforcing anything. You're building a bunker. You're spending $100,000 or more, and you're tunneling underneath, and you're putting something that's fortified, something that is impenetrable, something that you can, you can hold out as long as you can, provided the supplies and, and support systems that are, are coming and going from your bunker. That's what you're doing. That's how you remain safe. And I'm sure people in this, in this, in this fictitious time period have probably done that. But it's very interesting that he says it's a deterrent. It's not foolproof. Now, I want to get to reason, the, the reasons why I think this is ridiculous. I have trouble with this because I do not see, I look at society and I do not see that the cup is half full. Or I see that society is in trouble. I really do. I don't, I see the hope and brightness in our young. I see the hope and brightness in those who decided to step back from what they have come to know in their life um, as a way of thinking and a way of being and have decided to embark on something bigger. They've decided to get into some type of um, some type of spirituality, some type of ideology that defines uh, that 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 um, that allows them to let their compassion, 
their sense of duty and honor and bravery come forth before their selfishness, wickedness, their cruelty. These are the people, and they're and they're out there. They're out there. You're you're listening to some of them when you listen when you when you tune into this 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 program. You know when you embark on within the Jedi communities when you visit Ashla Knights. You know you're you're uh, Knights of Awakening. You're meeting these people. You're meeting them. These are people who are like you, have been in the world, have been beaten up, have been shaped and molded from their experiences. They've, they've endured, along with you, the sacrifices inflicted by hardship and, and strife, and they've decided to not let that define them, to reach past that and be better every day. They know that they're never... Go- I know that I'm never going to be a shining example of pristine white light but that's not my goal. My goal is to try every single day. And by the time I realize, I look behind me and say, wow, I've come that far, maybe I'll be a beacon that people will look and say, oh, I'm going to go that way. Who knows? But my, old, my, old goal, my goal first and foremost is to myself, to better myself, and to, be, to, share that, to share whatever radiance comes from that, to let that fall upon anybody that wants to be inspired by that, to let them know that you don't have to you don't have to endure in the way you think and be. You can change. You can change while you do what you do to survive. You can do that. So I look at society that way, and I see that we are we few who have decided to do this are swimming upstream, and it's getting harder and harder every single year, every single month, every single day. It is very difficult. I see dark times. I see very dark times in our future, and I think Charles, you you might agree with that. I don't see, I don't, I do not not see hope. There is hope, but I do see dark times ahead of us. I see potential roads that society and civilization can take, and most of them look really, 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 really dark. I see people not really giving a shit anymore, as they sort of do now, and really letting the government and the authority that is just run roughshod. Just do whatever they're going to do. They're going to say whatever they're going to say. They're going to negotiate whatever they're going to do. They're going to implement and enact anything they're going to do to what? Maintain security and control. That's what I think. And I think by the time we as a people turn around and say, what the fuck? It will be too late. And the sad thing is, when people do turn around and say, what the fuck, it's going to be because they can no longer do the things that they do to help them remain distracted from what is happening around them. My, my, my childhood friend used to use this analogy, and I've said it before on one of the shows, if I can't eat my hamburger in peace, if I can't eat my hamburger and worry about what the hell's going on around me or what's going to, walk, what's going to happen when I walk out of the restaurant, then that's a dark day. And he was kidding when he said it, but it's a very, 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 it's a very uh, average Joe sort of philosophy that I think is very accurate. The day we can't eat our hamburgers and our hot dogs and our steak, we can't grill our brats, the day we can't tailgate, the day we can't drink our wines and have our fancy breads and cheeses, the day we can't get laid, the day we can't do our drugs, the day we can't go out there and find ways to just distract us from the everyday humdrum of misery. That's when people will be forced to wake up. And the sad part about that 
is it will be as if you've been shaken out of a dead sleep. You know how you've been shaken? You know how, like, sometimes you're in a dead, deep sleep and somebody, something or somebody will wake you up? You ever see, you ever remember, you remember how angry, how angry, it's just anger. You, your eyes are closed, you, you, your body is, there's no, the, the blood is settled, you're just achy, you're just pissed. You're pissed because you're up at a ridiculous time to listen to some ridiculous shit. And that is what people will, people will be angry. They're going to lash out. And that's when you're going to see some type of civil war. But going back to this, I see that this is coming. Something dark on one of these potential roads is going to take us to a dark place. And things like The Purge, when I saw this movie, I thought to myself, holy shit, that's not, not unreasonable. That we've gotten to a place so bad that a new group of founding fathers have, have, have instituted something like this. Now, what's interesting about this is, besides Charles talked about weaponry and self-defense, I want to kind of touch, before we, we end this, I want to touch on some of the philosophical tones on this. All right? First and foremost, this night is, as it's, described in, in the summary, which is on um, International Movie Database, written by the, uh, the company that produced this, this night is a catharsis for the American people so that they may vent all negative emotions however they desire. Think about how academic and mindhead that sounds. Okay? So just in that writing, which obviously is fictitious, but based on basically the way things are today, at some point, at some point, some minehead came up with this idea and said, they've determined, they've determined that darkness and evil is intrinsic within humanity and that it needs to be controlled by releasing it in a timed manner. How studious. They say that in order to maintain the control and to control the, the savage beast that is humanity, we can endure a false static state of pleasantry, um, community, um, congeniality, uh, all, these, all these different adjectives you can use to describe a, a, a positive interaction for society as long as we tap the barrel once a year. Tap the barrel and let the excess run. And it can and and here's the thing, it has to be unrestrained. Emergency services for this night are suspended. Rape, murder, any other kind of crime you can think of, all right? I'm just let your imagination wander. As long as it doesn't affect a public official past a level ten and you're not using armaments and weaponry past level four, goes. Charles brought up a very interesting point. The moderation of this would be impossible because while you may not have tanks and predators and um, you may not have uh, helicopters and Gatling guns and all, this, all different various weapons of, of war at your disposal, the average house is still made out of, of, of wood and plaster. You can get into somebody's house through the... What makes... How are people safe? How is this helping society when society is eating itself? Here's the well, thing. 
Go ahead, Charles. I'll let you jump in. You know, you you talk about the catharsis, and I I, I get the idea. I, I I get the idea. My my issue with that idea in and of itself. Okay. You know. That's a lot of firepower. I don't know what everyone else's hometowns are like. I live in a small town, and small towns tend to have a few more guns than large towns, as funny as that may seem. Uh, more hunters, more people that want to protect their home, that don't trust the police to arrive quickly. It's the nature of a small town. Uh, but if all hell broke loose in my town, there'd be a lot of, uh, a lot, <laughs> whole lot of uh, firepower moving across the street. My thing with this, that one night is a catharsis, but you still remember that night. That's why it's a catharsis. Yeah, yeah. And the yeah. events, the events that happen at the end of that night don't go away. And that I was want, my... I want, yeah, I want you to think about this, and this is just for me personally, because you know I don't know if I could kill to save my own life on that day, but let's say I didn't have to. Let's say. Let's say, let's say one of one of the few people in the world, because there are so few people in the world that live near me, or or around me. But let's say one of them was taken from me, and do you really think it would be over for me after that day? No. Do you really think I would not remember this tomorrow? Yes, the law says I cannot kill the person who did this. Oh, isn't that just quaint? Isn't that I have to wait a year? Oh yes, yes, I'll wait a year. Yeah, you, you, you tell yourself it's been a year, and you go wait for me, and I'll tell you when I get back. That would be my issue with the idea now. I get the idea, and I'll, I'll you know, hit me back, I'll, I'll, I'll give the floor back to you, but hit me back on the idea of needing a catharsis, and why that part is valid in a minute, but uh, as it just concerns... That day and being a catharsis, I think you would create far more dangerous monsters in the men and women that survived that night than you had prevented by letting the other monsters walk the street. Because the thing is, whether I, I, I tend to believe that people in their heart of hearts are good people. They just have been messed up a lot by the world. But I'll tell you this, if you want to see a true monster walking in the flesh, you take the best person. You take the best of us and you break you break them in a way where the only thing they have left is revenge. And they will become a monster the likes of which you have never seen. Nothing will stop them. Nothing can kill them. Because they are already dead. They're a person who's already died. They, they, are, they are the, the walking juggernaut. They are the, the unstoppable apocalypse. And if you've ever met someone who's had everything taken away from them and looked into their eyes you realize, and I've met a few people like that once or twice, you realize that the only thing they're still breathing for is to make sure that someone else stops. So this doesn't reduce the crime, okay? It only, it only means that you have a, a higher spike. You have, the, you have the day of the purge, and then you have the next week after the purge, and the crime rate is at an all-time high, all high because... All sins are forgiven during the purge um, by the police, and then therefore everyone else who comes out on day two is a murderer. You know, the murder rate on day two and three would be phenomenal. You know, it'd be 50,000, 150, 200,000 
murdered, legally, is the term murdered, whether it's justified or not, it would still be listed as murder. Yeah. 250,000 murdered the day after the purge, okay? Four days after the purge, no crime. Because you've had a population decrease, and you've, you've gotten rid of a lot of the, the, the worst people. But now you've also got a prison spike of, a, of, of, of 50% because of the people you've got to lock up who are taking vengeance the next day. I, you, hit the, you, you, you touched on my next point. My next point was, was going to be, the, and, and interestingly, in, this, in the scenario of the purge, all hostilities, physical hostilities, must end exactly. Now, there's a horn that blows in every community signaling the beginning of the purge, and there's a horn that blows exactly 12 hours later signaling the end. All hostilities end. You can hear the sirens, you can hear the trucks, you can hear reinforcements moving in to secure the cities and the towns right after the, the second horn blows. So the sad thing and is, you'd be able you'd be able to hear me yelling at them what they could blow if I lost yeah, someone close to I me during I, this. And it's, it, it, you bring up a great point because I thought that too when I watched. I'd be like, God, bull crap! Am I going to be fucking walking home with my bat and saying, Oh, you got me good, you got me good? No. But here's what's interesting is um, two things before we we wrap it up. One thing is what Charles just said. Okay, you've got the purge, but listen, you're in a neighborhood. You're in a neighborhood or, no, you're in a neighborhood. And while you may hunker down, your neighbor may not be hunkering down. Your neighbor might be out there. Your neighbor may not be the next house across from you or the house next to you. Your neighbor might be in the same building. You see, this is the problem that, I'm, I, that, that scares me about it. Because while Lisa and I are in our house that has, titanium frame doors and windows, which is serving something like that on the second floor might be a good idea. All right. But while this is while we're safe and secure in our 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 deterred uh, apartment, our neighbor whom we've given holiday cookies to, we've held their mail, we've walked their dog, they've come over and brought they've brought dinner over, we've had dinner with them. We've, we've shared and, and, and enjoyed our, each other's company. They're out there purging. They're out there purging. What if, they decide, what if that husband thinks Lisa is smoking uh, 11 months out of the year? You see where I'm going with that? What if someone that you know and trust, that you think you know and you trust, that you've shared, they know who you are, they know your information, or most of your information, they know where you, they know you, and you happen to have a handsome husband, or a hot girlfriend, or a very pretty daughter, or an adorable son, or a tasty looking pet, as creepy as that sounds, they're right underneath you, and you think they're outside First of all, the fact that they're out purging is creepy. But you think they're outside. Now, they're not outside. They're drilling a fucking hole up into your apartment. They're finding a way into your apartment so the creepy husband can snatch your wife or your daughter. The creepy chick can torture 
the you because that's what she gets off on or whatever the scenario is. That creeps me out. And then 12 hours later, if you can deter, you can keep them at bay, if you can keep them at bay for 12 hours, like Charles said, when that horn blows, do you really sit there and say, hey, Phil, good one, good one, Phil, nice try? No. How do you go back to normal? And here's the problem with this. The movie illustrates this. In There's a scene in the movie... I really don't want to get too many spoilers because I don't want to ruin the movie for you, but, you know, if, if you don't see it, whatever. But if you do want to see it, you know, you, we're talking about it, but you still should see it because the entertainment value is a Obviously, this family gets sieged upon, okay? And they, the, these, these purgers gain entry into the house. The reason they go after this family is really, really a story in itself. It's all about compassion. All right, and at the at the end of the movie, the Purgers wind up being a a, a a group of affluent weirdos who are who who for whatever for the reasons the movie lays out, they go after this family. But the family is saved. The family is saved because all defenses have been breached. They are exposed to the rest of the neighborhood, and these Purgers are about to kill the family. They've held off for hours, okay, when it looks at, like the family that they're, they're, they're it's the grimmest of the, the, the worst part of the story. They're saved by their neighbors, but they're really not. They're really not saved by their neighbors. And that was the creepiest part, because the neighbors come in and they take care of the rest of the purgers, and then they start to feed upon the family. And why they started to do this was because that family had more money. That family had sold everybody in the neighborhood a security system, and they were putting on a new addition, and they were making a quote-unquote show of their good fortune, their hard work. And the neighbors were jealous. How fucking crazy is that? I, that right there, the whole idea of the purge is disturbing, but that part right there touched me because it's today. It is the unspoken emotions that people have with one another. People will shake your hand, and they'll pat you on the back, they'll, they'll invite you into their home, they'll, they'll, they'll share their lives, and behind your back, they're plotting your downfall. And that is the way people are and have been since the beginning of, since the beginning of, 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 of humanity. There's nothing new about that. But when you allow a program like this to exist, you give them free reign to let that quote unquote cathar this, this 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 need for catharsis you get you this need to release and vent and therefore level out and 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 return to a static state of perceived peacefulness there's nothing peaceful about it there's nothing peaceful about this it is a scary thing the fact that this program is even out there tells a lot about the philosophy that's endorsed of that time Nothing is what it seems to be. You're living in a world. Now, we're talking about a story in a bigger story. We're talking about a family, one, one purge in their life. This family's been married. They have children. This has been going on for years. So this is a way of life. And what does it say about that way of life? We've endorsed the fact that humans are evil. Humans are dark. Don't get me wrong. 
Humans are dark. And like Charles says, I think all people are... I believe that all people want to do right. They want to do good. I believe that is intrinsic. I believe that need, that desire is innate. But what else is innate is this natural affinity for darkness that cannot be disavowed. It is there. The variable in that is evil. And when darkness transmutes into evil, you start to, it may not be a physical manifest, manifestation. At worst, it's an ideological manifestation such as this. This is evil. This is, a, this is an evil thing. Because you're telling the public, the public, you're not telling the public, the public has become this veneer, this, this fake finish that, you know, you walk down the street, no one's touching you because they're waiting for their one night to touch you. They're sizing you up, they're being nice, it's almost like fattening up a goose. You know? You're just stuffing this goose with, with vegetable and, and, and whatever and food just so they can run a little slower, just so they're off their game just that much more, just so they don't see the knife coming this is what it is, and this is what this family, this is what this family did. They didn't see the knife. They saw what was in front of them. They didn't see what was in back of them, which was deadlier than what was in front of them. Your friggin' neighbors. It says to me that at some point we give over, we give in to the darkness and allow that evil to manifest. And someone stepped in and said, this can't be. We cannot fraught anarchy. This is the problem with anarchy. This is the problem with, uh, and, and, and utopias. Utopias have their issues too. The same issues as, as anarchy do. Anarchy does. Complete static states of upheaval and chaos. You better, there's no development. There's no innovation. There's no progress. There's no future. It just doesn't happen. And static states of utopian bliss is the same thing. There's no, there's, there's, there's very little innovation because you don't need it. There's, very, there's no need for progressing any further or striving because everything is fine. And then eventually you implode on yourself in either, in, in either paradigm. All right? So someone said, well, we can't have a st a, a, this state of darkness. We need institution and government and control. But also, we need to control the evil of people because apparently people need evil and darkness within them. It needs to be released. And the fact that some mind had came up with this, or not some mind had came up with this, some mind had came up with a way to regulate this terrifies me because that's where we're at today, people. We are letting academics tell us how we feel. And if we, don't, if we disagree or if we act out in defiance of this, then we're classified in some, with some, some new psychosis that's, that's, that's logged in the new journal of, and, and they're throwing meds at us. They're throwing programs at us. Now, don't get me wrong. Some people are troubled. A lot of people are troubled. A lot of people have issues. I think we're overdiagnosed and we're overly medicated because people we're losing, people don't want to talk anymore. They don't want to deal with the problems. But, you know, we talk, and I'm, I'm digressing here, but when we talk about 
we talk about um, psychiatry, psychiatry, in my opinion, was never on point. We went from torturing people in asylums to giving them medication. So there was really, no, I don't really, there was really no in-between as far as I see it. So at some point down the road, as we grow darker and darker and darker, and we have already given the government, we've already told the government, we're not paying attention to what you do. Because when scandals break, we get all pissed off for about two months, and then you give us a rebate, you give us a check, you give us some, something with fried cheese in it, you, you know, and then we're, we're, we're forgetting about it. You lower the, you know, you, you, new porn sites come out or whatever it is. You give us something that, our vi that appeals to our vice and loins and we'll, we'll, we'll let you slide because you know just how to distract us. Why wouldn't a mine head in the future come up with something like this because they know how we are? They've given up on trying to help people. They're just medicating us. They've given up trying to cure shit in hospitals and in research laboratories because what's the point? I believe that. I really believe that. What was the last thing we freaking cured? Polio? And I hear that's back. So I look at a movie like this and it, I shiver. I shiver because as fantastic of a story or an idea as it is, it's possible. It's possible to not give a shit so much and so long that when we turn around, we have something despicable like this. And we all have felt it. We've all felt it in the last 10 years. It's not just Obama. It's Bush, too. Some of their programs. Uh, what's the, the um, uh, Patriot Act? Before we turned around, before, oh, yeah, oh, it's terrorism. But the rest, if you, if, you, if you haven't read the Patriot Act, please do. Another one is this FISA. I think it's this FISA Act, this, this, uh, this Internet spying thing, keeping, a tr keeping track of uh, people, what people do on the, the uh, NSA spying program. You know, things that we don't know what's going on because we don't give a fuck. We don't care. We don't care. We don't care. And if we don't care long enough, we're going to find ourselves regulated just like this. Our, our, our anger is going to be regulated. It's going to be controlled by the government. We're going to be walking around and we're going to be fake pleasant to people knowing that they're waiting for 11 months to stick something in us or to do something to us. And um, unless you have a last thought, Charles, I think I'm all set. Well, one thing I wanted to hit on is that I think the idea in The Purge does hit on something very basic and is that we do have negativity. We recognize this as negativity and this is stepping outside of light and dark philosophies to look at it. Negativity is that which you really would rather not have happening internally. When you get angry in a situation that you don't really feel anger is useful or when you get depressed in a situation that you don't feel is useful you have to purge that emotion. And I don't know what your meditative background is, but I'm sure you've seen this meditation before where you meditate and visualize something and you let it go. Um, you know, whatever it is that's bothering you, you give it a symbolic presence and then you just let it go. And if you've seen it, I'm almost certain you've done it.
because it's one of those things I think everyone who belongs in the different uh, spiritual and philosophical communities that we belong part belong a part of has done that one at some point. The fact that, you know, our outreach, that we're reaching out to the people that are listening, that are hearing us, even in that, we set up methods of having some kind of internal purge of our negative qualities, of the things we don't want to be impacting us, that we know are not functional and useful. I think the fact that even in those groups, we have something like that to help self-regulate kind of proves the need for a purge. But I think also, this movie is an extension of events that have already happened. Right. We just don't realize that they've happened. And I'm going to give you the best example that I can, and it is called Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> I'm sure you've played. I'm sure you've played it, right? No, if you I haven't never played have. it, I'm sure you've seen it. I've seen it. You, you refuse to play it. Okay, I played it. I tried it. Um, is it addicting? You know what the funny thing is? I love open world environments. I really do. The idea that you can go anywhere and do anything uh, really makes for a good, you know, enjoyable experience for me. I wound up preferring the uh, second Spider-Man game on the PlayStation Two when I was uh, playing that system when I tried Grand Theft Auto because I got more enjoyment out of it, which I guess says something about my psychology and how I need to vent stress. But, you know, an overwhelming portion of the gaming population plays this particular game. My point with this is if 30 years ago, I would have told you that we would have simulated killing sprees to help people vent their negative emotions you would have been shocked if it was if you and I were at the age we are now, but we were 30 years back in the past. You know, same mentalities, different technologies, as it were. Same mentalities, different technologies, and this was a movie about the virtual murder game, right? Virtual murder game where you go around and you just kill everybody. It was how people vented in the future. We would be discussing how shocked we were. We'd actually probably be a local radio station using an amateur antenna to broadcast. Uh, you know, broadcasting and talking about how shocked we were that anyone could come up with such an idea, that, that the idea that society would buy into this. And if you look at some science fiction back from the early 50s and 60s, you'll find there are some science fictions that touch on this, and they had virtual murder machines for relieving stress. And it, it gets me that we've moved in this direction. This is an extension of those games. This is an extension of those methods of release. And the thing is, it's an extension that we all knew was going to happen. That we all suspect. Now, I don't think, I don't think it'll be quite like The Purge. I think if uh, recent events are anything to, uh, to point out, I don't know if anyone else seen it on Facebook, and I really wish I had the link on me. Uh, there was a guy who basically got acquitted after uh, molesting a 12-year-old girl because he's a billionaire and therefore is productive to society. He was given uh, parole. You know, that means you can buy freedom for yeah. crime. And I think that's what we'll see. I don't think we'll see the purge. But I think what we'll see is that everything will be relegated to a fine. And I think we'll see murder will be about $5,000, which is what you can expect to reasonably save up for 
in a two to three year period, no matter what job you work at. If I hold my taxes back, you know, for three or four years, I've got 5,000 there. I get one free kill. Um, that, I think, is what we'll see happen, and it's an extension of this venting process. And why does it exist? Because we are, we are culturally shocked to allow any other method to exist. The thing is, the Colosseums were there because people have a violent tendency in them. The Colosseums were there because people were now walled into cities. They weren't out hunting because that hunting is a violent action. It requires a violent mentality. It's how you get your violence out because your violence is actually a tool to get you fed and to keep you alive and survive. But as we take away the purpose of violence, we then... By taking away its purpose and its idealism, by taking away something that it can fit to with a value, we remove the ability to vent aggressiveness, to vent what we would call negative emotions through this. And what we have left then are sports, which are a poor substitute, and then martial sports, which are a slightly better substitute. I will say that I get a lot more out of punching someone in the nose than I do throwing a ball at a guy with a stick. Well, I mean, to a guy with a stick. <laughs> Yeah, now you see how my mind works. I had a guy with a stick. But no, seriously, I mean, you know, I get more stress relief out of, you know, putting a pair of gloves on and beating on someone else while they're beating on me. And that is that violent, that aggressive. But it's being honed towards concepts like honor and sportsmanship and dignity. And it's through that that in past times, we then got this out of our people in our society, okay? 200 years ago, 300 years ago, we had bare-knuckle fighting. And what that was was two gentlemen who have a little bit too much testosterone and not enough common sense would step out in the middle of town square. They would twirl their finely uh, displayed mustaches, would square up on each other and beat the brains in until one of the other either passed out or died, and it was okay. It wasn't exactly legal, but it wasn't looked down upon the way it would be today. In removing, in removing the idea of this being a sportsmanship type thing, and removing concepts of honor and dignity, and removing our warrior culture from being part of our prime culture, and sectioning it off as, as the weirdos that we ship out over to fight someone else. That's what we do. And I don't mean that as an offense, because everyone knows that I'm a fan of our military. I respect the people in the military. I'm not aiming the term weirdos as from my point of view. I'm saying the way society is treating it the way the social norms have shifted, we treat soldiers like they're just some weirdo that we ship on a plane over somewhere else to deal with problems we don't want to deal with. Because we have separated ourselves from our warrior culture, because we've divided our warrior culture into military and non-military, police and non-police, and then subdivided the remaining civil culture into martial artists in a ring and everyone else, because we've subdivided like that and made that the norm, we now don't have an outlet, and that's where I think our increase in violence is coming from, because people need that outlet. Okay, You need to be able, and it needs to be something socially acceptable to trade punches with someone and call it a day. You really do. You need to be able to walk into a bar, get drunk, get into a fight, and the police put you in the tank for a night, and it not be... Well, we're going we're gonna to hit you with excessive violence, an attempt to display violence, a violent intention, aggressive action in a public place, and uh, we're just going to start making shit up as we go. You know, 
we destroy your life for a moment event of venting, and then we wonder why people go out and shoot other people. Yeah. We yeah. wonder why it's evolved this way, because we've stripped the warrior culture from the culture. We've stripped that outlet, which is what the warrior culture is, because we want to see ourselves in this... I don't want to say enlightened, because if it was enlightened, it would be working. We want to see ourselves as these passive creatures. We want to see ourselves as purely peaceful. We don't want to know where the state comes from. We don't want to know that it moved. Okay? Don't tell me that it moved. But the truth is, until we can accept that the stake at one point was moving and standing on grass, yeah. and that we are an animal, a noble animal, an animal that has the ability to hone its violence to higher purposes, until we have the ability to do that, we create a bottle, and that bottle becomes explosive, and then we have social outrage. Then we have violent action. I believe and people hate when I say this, I believe they should have boxing in school again. And everyone's like, but that's two children hitting each other. And I said, yeah, and better that they learn the restraint and the sportsmanship that comes with it early than for them, than for us to have a society that doesn't know it. And for them to bottle it up and to get out there as a young adult and beat someone to death with a lead pipe. My father once told me, my father See, he, he would have died when he was uh, 63, 64. He, uh, he told me about when he was a young man, and that was about five, six years ago. So when he was a young man would have been about 60 years ago. Uh, he told me about when he was a young man. He, you know, one of the gangs, they beat him up. I said, wow, and you survived it? And he said, back then, when you beat a man to where he was on the ground, you won. And that was it. Now, don't get me wrong, it wasn't always over. Wasn't, wasn't always that wasn't always the end of it. But you didn't sit there and break him apart one step at a time. You'd, got, you'd gotten your anger out. You got to feel better about yourself, and that was it. And you got back up, and then you made a decision what you were going to do about that, if anything. And he took the time to go and find each of these gang members and have a conversation with them. Uh, one of them involved that conversation putting the guy through a glass window uh, at a local shopping area. But he had a conversation with each one of them until they understood his point of view from being on the ground like that. He made sure they weren't around because, you know, these conversations tend to go best one-on-one. -on -one. That was how it was handled 50, 60 years ago. That was what you expected. That was the way we got it out. And if the police officer come across to you, they'd look at you. And my father's name was Charlie. Okay, that's what they call him. They'd say, Charlie? Uh, yeah, no, I don't think I can rightly arrest you for that with what they did to you last week. Um, yeah, it's just good to see that you're up and about and uh, that you still got all that extra arm strength there. And they left it be. And that was, the, that was society. It was an honored thing. There was a respect that was given to you because it was just a personal fight. No one was getting killed for this. Yeah. Now, that said, we stripped that from our society. So now you have to bottle it up. Now you've got to take the kick in the ribs because if you hit them back, you're charged with assault. Now you've got to take being insulted face to face. And you got to bond. That was a time where no man would dare to call you a bitch. It just wasn't done. You didn't call a man a bitch. You know why you didn't call a man a bitch? Because then that man would call you bloodied. He'd say, my, you've got a lot of blood coming out of your nose there. You shouldn't ought to called me a bitch. And that was the way it was handled. And I used one of the politest 
of insults that we use in our society. I used there one of the words that does not have the venom today that, that it had 50 years ago. It just wasn't done. You called a man a bitch, you got ready for him to hit you in the nose because that was what was coming, and you knew it. And you knew it, and that meant to you it was worth risking it. And it was worth taking the hit in the nose and delivering a couple back yourself. It was worth it. And it was a culture that understood what it means to have that warrior essence and then to let it go the next day or to let it go a couple of days later. We've lost that. We've gotten rid of it in an effort to be what we call politically correct, in an effort to what we believe is social evolution. I say believe because evolution... Well, let me say what we believe is positive social evolution, because remember, you can evolve forward or backwards in terms of positive capability. We, we've gotten rid of all that, and now we're looking for extreme answers. We're looking for extreme solutions because the murder simulator can only do so much. The murder simulator can only do so much to help you vent. And that's either the passive murder simulator that we call a television, or the active murder simulator that we call a video game. And I play video games all the time myself, too. But my point is that in getting rid of this concept of honor, of dignity, and of virtue within combat and within violence, we now don't just have a few people that are willing to break the rules. What we've done is we've made the rules so inclusive that when a person does go to their natural state to uphold their own honor or dignity. That they now, that they've broken one rule, they might as well break them all. You take this movie, you take the basis, okay? These people were living so much of a better life than their neighbors. And then their neighbors, you know, just, they couldn't take being put down. There was a time when that was solved, okay? There was a time when that was solved by, you know, Mr. Johnson across the street would come over and he'd have a, a, a word with uh, Mr., uh, Mr., Mr. Malone and he'd say, now, you know, I, I see you flaunting your car, and I see you flaunting how well you are to do, and I see you rubbing it in my face, and you can either stop that, or we can have words as gentlemen have words. And one of two things would happen. Either the man causing offense would say, I had no idea that it was affecting you like that. And then they would move on. They would have that, they would have that purge in that moment. Or he would say... Well, then, if you want to act as gentlemen, I suggest we go out around back and act as gentlemen. In which case, they would purge that way. Both guys would come back with a blackened eye and a bloodied nose, and their wives would look at them and go, really? And that would be it. And that was how it was settled. That was how it was handled. It happened every day, and the world went fine. But what happened was we got scared of the serial killers. We got scared of the mass murders. We got scared of the psychopaths. And we said, we've got to do something about this. Well, the thing was, we were doing something about it. Those kind of people, we were locking up for life. But now, we wanted to prevent the tendency. The problem is, what we believe is that tendency exists in the heart of every man. It exists in the heart of every woman. And it's called the ability to feel. It's called having emotions. And therefore, we either regulate that with a culture that allows that, that expression of emotion with aggression, finds a way to do it in a controlled environment, or we let it bottle up until extreme ideas like the, the pass for murder, you know, the $5,000 murder pass, or the purge, become reality. All right. On that note, I actually have to agree with you because uh, you hit on that warrior, that warrior principle, and I think you're absolutely right. And I love how you said 
murder simulator, calling the TV and the video, the video game console. It's a wonderful point of view, as eloquent as always, as insightful as always. Thank you very much, Charles. But we're going to have to leave it there. Next week we may not have a show. We may or may not have a show. We'll let you know. Um, but I want to thank all of you who, uh, who listened. And, uh, Charles, always, thank you so much for taking the time to engineer. And uh, if we don't have a show next week, we will be off for three weeks after that, I believe. Um, and we'll keep you updated uh, as to when we'll be back on the air, okay? So thank you so very much. Have a wonderful week. And, Charles, have a great day. I'll be talking to you soon. Okay? Thank you so much. Have a great one. Bye-bye.